listening to NL Newsday with Jeff Andreas. All right, you're listening to NL Newsday, and it is the last Wednesday of the month of August, and that means it is time for Radio NL's Community Town Hall, brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here, always fresh. This month's guest is Kamloops City Councilor and Deputy Mayor for the month of August, Kathy Sinclair, when we recorded yesterday morning at the Vic. Got to sit down for a nice coffee and have a good conversation, thanks to a number of questions provided by you, the listener. Let's listen in, shall we? I got to start here. We have a lot of questions about what's going on in the city of Kamloops, but I wanted to start with just the announcement yesterday. Kind of a, I don't want to call it a bombshell because I think we were expecting it here for at least a little bit, but vaccine passports, I mean, this is going to bug a lot of people, but I think for the most part, individuals seem in favor of it. And that was sort of the impression I was getting from a lot of people I was talking to yesterday. So I just wanted to start with your thoughts on this move by the province and if you think it will be good for uh, businesses to be able to stay open as we continue to deal with this pandemic. Yeah, I think, you know, I want to reiterate that this is not a city of Kamloops decision and this is a province of BC decision. Um, and, it, and really, that was something that we didn't know about ahead of time. So, again, a provincial decision. Um, my thoughts on it are, um, you know, having worked in nonprofits over the years and seeing um, the theater, um, the movie theaters, um, the, the symphony and other live uh, show producers really struggle over this past year and a half. I think it's very welcome for those organizations. And it's also interesting to see that businesses have been lobbying for this and um, welcoming it as well, because it does give peace of mind for their clients and for the businesses themselves. And yeah, there's going to be uh, some people who are not fans of this. I think it's important to also uh, remember that we are in a pandemic. Um, I don't think that anybody wants to be here, but we are adjusting and, um, you know, the provincial and federal governments are making decisions on the fly to keep everybody safe. Yeah, and, and I just hope that, you know, it's going to mean uh, an increase in the number of people who are willing to go and get a vaccine at this point. I know we saw that, I believe it was in Quebec, they saw a pretty good spike in new new people getting a vaccine as a result of their vaccine passport. Curious to see if we'll see the same thing here. But really, at the end of the day, I just hope it means like, businesses can remain open we don't see massive spread and also we can go to you know blazers games and things like that once again i've been missing that i don't know about you what what have you been missing the most as we go through this pandemic yeah honestly i've just been missing kind of the return to normal life and um you know going to yoga class and and uh feeling comfortable inside a restaurant and not having to wear masks and um going to live shows I've uh, been missing a lot of those things, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see a somewhat return to normalcy, and hopefully, some of those folks who are on the fence about getting the vaccination will uh, will go ahead and do that. Perfect. Well, uh, that's kind of the big story here this week, at least at the early stages of the week, but. It- was it last week, two weeks ago? I can't even remember now. We had that massive report that came down from the United Nations dealing with climate change and talking about all the concerns about, you know, what's going to happen if we don't start to take immediate action here now um, and not keep pushing the the plans that are in place to try to deal with uh, emissions uh, down the road. And we got a lot of questions about that. There was kind of a theme in our question box at the VIC as I was going through it here uh, earlier on. Um, I'll start with the, the broad question because we do have the, uh, the, the massive plan that council just passed not too long ago the climate uh, action plan um, but Jessica is asking just in a general sense what sort of meaningful action are you going to take to combat the climate crisis um, and I guess that 
you know, as a city council, what are you guys doing? Yeah, uh, so council did just approve the Community Climate Action Plan, which has been a work in progress for about the last two years. And uh, we're trying to reduce our uh, primary sources of greenhouse gas emissions. And overwhelmingly in Kamloops, that is 66% comes from transportation. Um, and then, you know, to a lesser degree, we've got buildings at 29%. And at the very bottom of the list is waste decomposition at 5%. And I always find that kind of ironic because when people think about going green, they think about recycling, for example. But really, that's not where you're going to make the biggest impact. Where you're going to make the biggest impact is is through um, through non-fossil fuel powered transportation. So um, council has uh, put together this plan where we are going to be reducing GHGs uh, by 80% by 2050 and by 30% by 2030. And some of those... Um, action items are low carbon development, a car-like community, zero emissions transportation, zero carbon homes and buildings, um, and then, you know, we, we sort of go on from there. But a big part of that is muni municipal climate leadership. We need to practice what we preach. We need to um, ensure that our city vehicles are um, green in, to, to the greatest extent possible. Um, and and th those are the action items we're taking at the city level. Um, and I always, you know, I'll say to folks when they're, they'll push me on, you know, what is the city doing? What is the city doing? Well, in the meantime, every individual can be doing a whole lot. Um, and I think that sometimes we forget that. We're waiting to be told what to do. But, um, you know, whether it's composting or taking the bus once or twice a week or whatever it is, it all makes a difference. And I know it's overwhelming and sometimes we feel like it's insurmountable. Um, but I truly believe those smaller actions make a difference. Well, you, you brought up composting, and I know the city's looking to launch that pilot here. Um, I think it's September, right? I believe is when it is set to launch. So uh, that, that is one thing I know a lot of residents have been calling for. That's coming down on an individual level. I guess how quickly do you think, assuming it goes smoothly, could we see that as a program be available citywide? That's a good question. I think it will depend on how the pilot goes. Uh, part of the issue with our organics pickup program is that we don't have anywhere locally to um, allow the compost to break down. And so um, there's sort of some uh, factors that are unknown right now. Again, um, you know, waste decomposition is 5% of our GHG emissions. So is that where we should be focusing all, all our energies? I would say no, maybe building the mm -hmm. bike network and, and uh, ensuring that we have effective transit are, are uh, even more effective. You brought up active transportation there as well. I do see a few questions in relation to bike lanes, some specifically talking about downtown and the North Shore. Um, you know, this isn't a very bike-friendly city, right, because it's so hilly. Um, I guess what, what are your thoughts on just the overall expansion of, of active transportation and making sure people have that as a viable option to get around town? I know C Council has been doing work on this over the last little while, but some people, I guess, are feeling maybe it's a little slow going at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I want to start that question by saying um, I do not have a car. Uh, an e-bike is my primary mode of transportation. And uh, yeah, there, there are definitely challenges with Kamloops. It was built for cars. That is clear. Um, um, but we are working on our active transportation network. So the transportation master plan, which was approved in 2018, uh, outlines all of our uh, bike networks and sidewalks and multi-use paths. And so um, it's come up quite often. And so we 
are looking at extending the bike network most recently out into Batch, um, but it came up at that council meeting when that was presented that we really need to focus on the university area. Um, so we've got the Hockdom Trail that, that uh, can get you safely up the hill there, but then once you're there, um, you know, you want to head, head towards the university, it's a little more challenging and uh, riding on the sidewalk is, is uh, a, probably a safer option than riding on Summit for most folks. Um, that said, at the, at the top of the Hockdom Trail, we also have uh, the Summit Extension, which is, which is moving ahead, and that's going to also include the first All Ages and Abilities um, bike lane here in Kamloops, um, and that's going to be going along 6th downtown. So, um, so that's a really exciting development. Um, I'd love to see more people riding bikes, and actually, I have seen a lot more e-bikes. I think have have really leveled the playing field. Yeah, I think we're seeing more of them for sure. What is an all ages and abilities bike lane? What does that mean? Yeah, so the triple A is, uh, you know, basically, would you let your your uh, six year old child ride to school? Uh, would you let your uh, Would you want to see your eighty two year old grandmother uh, riding on the on you know these bike paths uh, safe enough? safely and effectively. So, uh, you know, you'll see a lot of kind of spandex warriors out there and, uh, and that's fine. And, you know, I, I cycled for years in Vancouver and I'm used to riding in traffic, but that is just not an option for a lot of folks and we need to make it safer so that more people get out of their cars and start riding. What is meant by, I guess, being safer, though? Is that like having barriers to separate you from vehicle traffic? Or what Like, what makes these lanes safer? If we're going to label them as this AAA, what, what, is, like, what makes them different? Yeah, uh, it's definitely a separation from traffic. And um, when I am driving, I don't like to be passing a cyclist. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but it's, it's harrowing for mm -hmm. both the driver and yeah. the cyclist. And so uh, when we have lanes that are... Um, effectively segregated um, and even having a separate path for walkers, walkers okay. and wheelers, as well as cyclists, and then drivers have their own lane as well, then, um, you know, I think that's really the best for everybody. And does it cost money? Absolutely it does. But, um, you know, I think that is the, the direction of the future and it's the way we need to go. All right, you're listening to NL Newsday, and this is the August edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall, as it is the last Wednesday of the month of August. It's brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here always fresh. We'll be back with more of this month's session with Kathy Sinclair after this, so please stick around, but your news in 30 seconds. You're listening to NL Newsday with Jeff Andreas. Thanks for tuning in to NL Newsday, and it is the last Wednesday of the month of August, so it is Radio NL's Community Town Hall, which is brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here, always fresh. This month's guest, Kamloops City Councilor and Deputy Mayor for the month of August, Kathy Sinclair. We did record yesterday morning at the Vic, got to sit down with her and have a coffee and have some good conversation. So let's get back into it here with a question from Laura Douglas, who was asking why there is not a pedestrian-controlled light at 4th and Battle across from the Y. She says she swims there several times a week. Uh, she sees close calls happen quite often between vehicles and pedestrians. So I expanded this question out a little bit to ask, you know, what is the way for people to bring forward these types of concerns, and then how does council address them? Our traffic engineer would be looking at things like that, but you know the the simple answer is that there is no um, pedestrian controlled traffic light and forth and battle probably because 
nobody has asked for it yet. And so the best way to get your request in to council is citycouncil at camloops.ca. You can email that. It goes to all of Mayor and Council, and then um, we will take it from there and forward it on to staff. Um, and uh, you can also phone any one of us. Our, our numbers are pretty uh, freely available. So that's the best way. Start with council and then we'll take it from there. Perfect. I think that's good advice for Laura right there. Um, kind of sticking with, I, I guess this is climate change or climate adaptation. I don't know what category you'd want to put it in, but Val is asking, uh, what are some of your ideas for the greening of Kamloops? Like this is a pretty brown city for the most part, right? I know last mm -hmm. summer was pretty green, but that's because we had a kind of an unprecedented rain season in the, uh, in the springtime. But, uh, you know, is there a plan to maybe increase the tree canopy? I mean, people might even be nervous about that given the fire situation is adding more fuel to the area. But mm -hmm. is there a plan to try to get Kamloops to be a little bit more green, I suppose? Yeah, yeah, and actually, that's actually been in the works for quite a while. Um, we are uh, increasing our tree canopy. We're applying for grants whenever possible to be able to have the funds to do that. Um, it's already in the works and in the plans. Um, I think it's an important thing to think if we're going to green Kamloops, that's great, but um, Kamloops is not Victoria and, um, you know, our water um, supply is different and I think the best thing to do, the best way to green Kamloops is to have a balance of um, natural vegetation. We don't want to, you know, be planting a whole lot of things that, that don't grow here naturally because it's going to increase our, our um, water usage mm -hmm. and um, that has its own impacts okay since i i did mention the buzzword fires there let's go to a question from rowan barker here he's asking and this is again a very general question but i think a lot of people just want to know what is the city doing in terms of plans for fire implements into the future here yeah, so um, we do have fire mitigation initiatives that are ongoing, um, and we had a presentation at the Development and Sustainability Committee meeting about, I uh, guess, about two months ago now, and um, one of the important things to remember about our fire mitigation is that we have a very short season, so we can't do any uh, preventative burns until the ground freezes, which is November, so we only have a short window from about November to March that we can work with. Um, we have about a budget of about $250,000 a year. Um, this year it's a little more. We have $415,000 uh, for this year for fire mitigation efforts. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's really important to increase that amount and um, focus on the highest risk areas, which right now include uh, Kenna Cartwright and, and Juniper Ridge. And um, yeah, we need to do everything we can to... Uh, reduce the uh, risk of interface fires. And another important thing to, to uh, mention is we do have fire smart programs. And so Logan Lake got a lot of yeah. kudos for mm -hmm. their, um, you know, fire smart initi initiatives, which really contributed to their success yeah. in, in, in this interface and wildfire situation they were in. Um, the city of Kamloops has had that available to residents for years. And um, before the fire season this year, uh, the KFR mentioned that 
we have very little uptake on our fire smart initiatives so there's no cost to residents uh, residents can call the city's civic operations line and um, ask for a free fire smart consultation so if we had even a you know a bit more of a percentage of folks who are willing to do that we would be in a much better situation for future wildfires just curious because i moved here in the summer of 2019 so we had a very minimal fire seasons in the summer of 2019 summer of 2020 but obviously it's been brutal here in in 2021 and i'm just speaking from my own experience here it felt like the conversation around fires maybe wasn't as top of mind over the last couple of years and now obviously it's front and center um you know 2017 was a bad year 2018 not a great year but i'm curious if the conversation remained heightened over the last couple of years or if maybe it was just happening um, behind closed doors maybe so it wasn't quite as public like was there still an emphasis on on trying to help with the fire situation making sure Kamloops was protected making sure people knew about the fire safe programs was that all happening or was it maybe just a little quieter yeah I, I could see why you might uh, perceive it as a bit quieter um, fire smart posts were going out on social media all the time and and I think you know it's natural to not be thinking about fires when you're not in the situation but um, I think we can learn from this summer and uh, one thing that I would like to see is um, before every summer like making sure that we get people on board with thinking about have you have you got your emergency kits ready um, all of that stuff it's again it's hard to get folks to read those things and to think about those things when they're not in the moment but um if we can remember this moment and right now it's blue skies and you know it's it's lovely temperature but but we just suffered through a really difficult summer so if we can remember that into next year i think we'll all be better off and better prepared i i hope we all remember that going into next year that's that's for sure uh and and you say i hope we learn from this season well i, I think we better learn from this season uh from a provincial standpoint anyway um i won't get into that at this point in time i wanted to talk a little bit here about social issues that's always been a, a massive theme whenever i've done these town halls i believe this is number six now and people want to know like what's going on to help address the homelessness the addictions issues that we're seeing on our streets and uh, it feels uh you know as the we get deeper into summer almost it gets more and more visible um there's a lot of conversation happening but people want to see action and mm -hmm. it's really complex i know there's no silver bullet solution here and each individual person has their own individual needs on how they're going to be able to recover from the situation right but um I guess we'll start with a kind of the broader picture here is is how can we really help to to get people the help they need and not have them you know sitting out on the corner at nighttime and you know people are not wanting to see those individuals out on the street they think it makes the city look ugly and i totally get why they come from where the the position comes from so how do we help people in a more streamlined fashion to actually get them off the street and into a real place where they're going to get some help not just being housed i think a lot of people are being housed but they're not necessarily getting treatment yeah and i think you're right a lot of people are being housed but um, our point in time count from this past april also shows that we have about 97 people estimated and there's probably more who uh, we literally do not have beds for and to me that's completely unacceptable we've we've made a lot of ground we've gained a lot of ground in Kamloops um, we've increased the number of um, long-term social housing for example Spiro House on Tronquille which is run by Ask Wellness um, but if we have you know roughly 100 people who 
can't even go get an emergency shelter bed, uh, in my opinion, we have a problem and we need to work on that. And so it's fine to say you don't want to see uh, somebody out on the street corner, um, but if you also say that you don't want uh, housing for those folks and you don't want that in your neighborhood well there's there's got to be a compromise right and I absolutely understand why people are upset um, you know I myself live on the Tronkiel corridor and uh, you know it's there's lots happening there um, there's lots happening in a lot of different neighborhoods um, but until we can get the provincial and federal help that we need and we can see some changes to our judicial system, I honestly don't know if we're going to see a lot of, of change. Um, there are folks who are born with uh, conditions like FASD, fetal alcohol syndrome. Uh, jail is not the right place for those folks. They need proper care. And at this point, they're not getting it. And, uh, you know, that's why council continues to lobby for the proper supports, for addiction support, for mental health support. Um, there are folks who are not going to be, quote, unquote, you know, um, of contributing members of society mm -hmm. in the way that you or I might define it, right. but their lives are uh, valuable and they need proper care. And that's really why back in March, as I'm sure you have discussed a lot, uh, council had a special meeting and it went on for many hours and we talked about these issues and we talked about how are we going to, um, you know, short term, we're providing some day spaces, places for folks to hang out um, and with the idea that they will get connected with some of these shelters, some of these addiction recovery services and mental health um, recovery services. We've increased our um, security out there. We've increased, uh, you know, uh, lobbying the province and really pushing for complex care beds. Uh, you know, there's folks who are living in poverty, they have addiction issues, and they have physical and mental health issues. And so um, it's pretty hard to get ahead when you're facing all of those challenges at once. And, and uh, we need to ensure that those folks are cared for. And that is not uh, a municipal government traditionally it is not in charge of that. Um, so that's why we're really pushing the province. I believe it was at that March meeting that you mentioned that um, council wanted to put forward a request to housing minister... Um, David Eby. Thank you, David <laughs> Eby. Um, and I, I don't know if that request was ever granted. Did you guys ever get a chance to actually meet with him? Because it was almost right before fire season started that that request went out and then we kind of got distracted by other things. We did get distracted. It's been a year of distractions, unfortunately, between COVID and wildfires. So um, I'll have to follow up with staff on that. I'm not sure where that's at right now. Okay. Um, we did get some questions here, too, and this is falling in line about, you know, police visibility on the streets. Someone asking specifically about downtown. Of course, we are downtown here right now on 4th and Victoria, so I'm not surprised we see sort of a theme about downtown Camelops. But in general, you know, is, is police the solution to any of this? Because... I don't know, patrols on the street. One, one thing I always think is like having like beat cops, people walking around on a frequent basis to build relationships with those that they're, they're being you know, picked up all the time. I think that might go a long way. But do you think having more police presence is, is in any way a solution? Because clearly some people want to see that. 
Yeah, that's an interesting question. And um, I think, you know, the role of the RCMP is to apprehend and to enforce. It's not necessarily the preventative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and, you know, with a limited number of resources, um, their efforts are best spent in, in more... Um, high impact situations in my opinion so that's really why the city has um transformed its bylaws staff into the community services officer and that's exactly what um the intention is um by next month we should be fully staffed 24 7 so we will have community services officers um strolling the streets and doing that preventative stuff building those relationships with street involved individuals um and i think that's really important that uh you know especially around the mental health stuff Superintendent Leckie himself will say police are not trained to deal with mental health calls and that's often um, when folks will will call in when there's somebody in distress um, because they don't know who else to call and I think that's where our community services officers can step in Um, you know I personally I would love to see a mental health outreach team where you can actually call a number and have a social worker show up Uh, car 40 is one example of that although it's um, you know the hours are very limited right now and um, from what I've understood from interior health it's it's simply because they can't find a psychiatric nurse um coverage um for a 24-hour coverage but you know car 40 is is uh where rcmp and a trained psych nurse go out together to attend a mental health call and that's great let's say from nine to five which is currently staffed but that is not when a lot of the mental health calls are happening and um you know i've got mental health uh issues in my family i i think we probably all have somebody near and dear to us who who does and and we need to ensure those folks are cared for um without without the stigma how frustrating is it? Like, we've been talking about Car 40 since I can remember at this stage. And we've been pushing for it. We've been asking Interior Health. We've been asking the Ministry of Health, like, can we see an expansion to this program? And is it really, like, but what you said there? Uh, they just can't find the staffing? Or is it the funding? I mean, I've heard more of the funding side of things. And they're sort of... Uh, a lack of interest, I suppose, to expand that program based on just the limited budget that these ministries have. But is it staffing? That's what you're hearing now, too, because I haven't. That's kind of new for me. Yeah, I have heard staffing is an issue, and finding a psych nurse who uh, wants to do night shifts, for example. Um, so, it, you know, we're we're hearing about other staffing issues with uh, with RAH right now as well. That's big in the news at the moment. So. Um, yeah, I think funding. I think the funding could be found if the staffing was available. Mm. Um, personally, I know in other cities though they do have like a, a mental health outreach van, and that's um, it goes through a social agency who who puts that together. So maybe we'll see something like that um, coming coming in the next couple of years. I sure hope so because uh, we do have issues that we have to deal with. I, you know, another thing to, to mention though is we can't force people into treatment. And uh, I know some folks would like to see us, uh, you know, take people who are, you know, facing substance use addiction and check them in somewhere and get them all healed and healthy. And um, it's a great idea, 
but um, I don't know how you feel about somebody telling you what to do, Jeff. I personally don't like it very much. <laughs> Depends on what they're telling so, you to do. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think that's really where the relationship building comes in, where um, you know we need to build those strong relationships and build the trust with, with people and know that one time through um, addictions recovery or detox program is great, but sometimes it takes people 10 or 15 times to go through recovery, and that is just part of the process. And yeah, it's frustrating, but um, that's where we're at. I guess uh, with the community service office program, as bylaw switches over to that, and you know, it started at the beginning of the year, we're I guess eight months into it now. Uh, you guys had that presentation that was made to council just last week about some of the calls that they are dealing with on a regular basis. I believe it was 11,000 calls, something along that line, for um, mental health issues, I suppose, or social issues on our streets. Um, and that's just within the first seven and a half months, I suppose, total. But I guess is, is CSO is kind of supposed to be that bridge between that mental health outreach that you were speaking of and law enforcement. They're sort of somewhere in the middle. Is that what, how you would define it? Yeah, I mean, the community services officers, their job is pretty broad. So yeah. it's everything from, you know, dog issues, like licensing issues, parking, um, to the to the social issues. And so, I, you know, that's that was part of the vision of reorganizing that department is that um, we needed folks who were okay to do that job to go out and to chat with folks um, and, and establish those relationships so it definitely takes a certain kind of person who's able to fulfill that role but um, yeah and again they're not trained psych nurses or social workers but um, the idea is that they can have that rapport and get to know the folks mm -hmm. around town all right, you are tuned in here to the August edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall on NL Newsday. It's brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here, always fresh. We'll be back with more of this month's session with Cassie Sinclair right after this, so please stick around. This is NL Newsday with Jeff Andreas. You're listening to NL Newsday, and it is the August edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall, brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here always fresh. This always goes on the final Wednesday of each month. This month's guest, Kamloops City Councilor and Deputy Mayor for the month of August, Kathy Sinclair, whom we did record yesterday morning at the Vic. A question here from Stephen Davies. Why is there no public washrooms at Peterson Creek? And I expanded that a little bit more to, you know, ask in general about public washroom space across the city as we see more and more cases of business owners in the downtown and the North Shore who are constantly finding some human, let's call it, leftovers near their storefronts, which is obviously not something that anyone wants to deal with. So let's get back into my session here with Kamloops Councillor Kathy Sinclair and the talk about public washroom space. I don't know if it was um, during your time here in Kamloops, Chef, but uh, a few years ago, Council did approve the Portland Loos, yeah. and those yeah. are the freestanding washrooms. Um, unfortunately, those didn't go ahead at the time, and instead, um, there's a public indoor washroom at 340 Victoria now. Um, unfortunately, that has been 
closed probably as much as it has been open just for the reasons you described where folks will go in and just make a mess and um, it's a while before that can be cleaned mm -hmm. up. So um, I think public washrooms are vitally important for any um, any city and you know whether that's tourists or um, you know folks uh, nursing mothers or uh, folks yeah. who just need to go and don't don't want to go in a cafe <laughs> yeah. um, you know aside from the street population so it's it's important to have those but we're really struggling with the upkeep on those um, and if somebody is in a you know a bad headspace are they going to walk the extra couple of blocks to use the public washroom um, I'm, I have questions about that. I'm not sure that they will. And again, that comes back to we need to lobby for folks who are in distress to get proper care. I did want to get into the federal election here just briefly because there's a lot of these issues that, you know, when we talk about them, they require senior government funding. And when we're going through an election period, oftentimes these are opportunities, I suppose, that you can kind of seek to have those promises made, right? Because people want your vote. This is an opportunity to say this is what we're looking for in order to give you that vote. Um, is this federal election uh, maybe an opportunity or do, do you view it as something that could benefit Kamloops? Um, I won't get into the timing of the election. We won't talk about that. I won't get to your personal opinions on parties or anything. But do you view this as, as potentially something that could benefit our community once this thing is over? You know, I think that it's uh, always an opportunity to lobby um, different levels of government, provincial and federal. Uh, it, unfortunately, the timing of this one is it's very short timeline. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I know you didn't want to talk about the timing. I, I think for us here in the interior, it's... Uh, it's a little bit tough because we've just gone through a whole wildfire season. Folks have lost their homes and all of that stuff. So timing-wise, um, it'll be interesting to see what the turnout is. Um, that said, you know, personally for me, I would like to see climate change and reconciliation as the top two issues. Um, I think that uh, those are the most vital issues of our time right now. You brought up reconciliation, and I didn't see any questions this month, but I have had them in the past. Uh, it's a challenging one, for sure, for municipal governments, I think, to, to try to handle and figure out what, what can we do. Um, I think a lot of it probably has to fall on individuals. Like you mentioned, when we're talking about climate change, you know, people are always waiting for the government to take the lead. Well, what can you do personally to make a difference? Um, but that said, what can the municipality do to sort of take a leadership role in, in rebuilding those relationships? Yeah, um, I'm really proud to be with the city of Kamloops. We have a very strong relationship with to Kamloops Tisequetmik. Um, and uh, Mayor Christian and Cookby Kazmir work together uh, on a regular basis. And uh, I'm also the co-chair of the Cultural Heritage Working Group, uh, along with Councillor Thomas Blank uh, over at Tecumlips Um And we are looking at, at some of these issues. Um, I think the, the past few months has really cast everything in a different light. Um, but let's, let's tell the story of of Kamloops and to Kamloops um, together, our shared heritage, you know, when we talk about cultural heritage, it's not just about the last 150 years, it's about the last 15,000 years. And um, I personally have been taking Sokwetmachin classes. Those are available through the city of Kamloops. Um, I would really encourage it. It's a great way to get to know a little bit more about the very rich history of, uh, of our neighbors across the river and here in town.
I think that kind of exhausts my question list for the time being. I know there's a few I didn't get to because I didn't totally understand them, but maybe there's something you wanted to touch on that we haven't gotten to yet? Gosh, well, we've really covered the whole gamut. I think um, it's probably good to mention again, if you if you want to see a public washroom in Peterson Creek, if you uh, have requests, um, send an email to City Kamloops at or city council at camloops.ca. Um, and uh, again, the fire smarting is, is another big one. So contact civic, civic operations at camloops.ca or, or give us a call. Um, definitely, I mean, social media, I see a lot of people um, having concerns, but the actual number of people who contact us is a lot fewer so if you have a concern and you want something done about it contact council if you just want to talk about it then you know you can keep doing your facebook stuff mm -hmm. but um i think that's been an overriding theme since i've been on council that i've noticed that uh if you want solutions we're here to help okay we're gonna wrap up there but just one piece of trivia from rupert he wants to know if you can name this place before it was the vic oh yes i can but i'm drawing a blank right now I don't have the answer. Oh, it was Zach's. <laughs> it was Zach's, yes. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Kathy. I really appreciate you coming down and participating in the uh, community town hall for the month of August. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to do it again in the future, but I think this was a great conversation. So thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Awesome stuff. You've been listening to NL Newsday and the August edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall, which is brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here always fresh. My thanks to Kamloops Councillor Kathy Sinclair for joining me yesterday at the Vic, sitting down with a, a cup of coffee and answering some questions. Of course, got to thank the Vic itself for inviting us down and sponsoring this segment. And most importantly, thank you to everyone who submitted questions. There was some great discussion, and I look forward to doing it again in September, which will be the first town hall to happen post-federal election.